I'll never forget what Swansea Sound gave me. I'll never forget being part of it and the honour that I feel for being part of it and in you know later in my career being able to, to run it. We were very, very successful. One guest, ten songs, ten reasons. Music was my first love on Radio Glamorgan. My guest on this edition of Music Was My First Love has a 30-year career steeped in radio and since 1995 with the launch of The Wave he's gone from broadcasting to mostly behind the scenes. He's currently programme manager and controller of both Greatest Hits Radio South Wales and The Wave. His career has included, like so many local broadcasters that have graced this series, a stint at Swansea Sound. His name is Steve Barnes and we'll hear from him after his first choice, which is from Billy Joel. Welcome to Radio Glamorgan's Music Was My First Love. Thank you very much for having me, Andrew, uh, and good evening. Good evening. I, I don't know whether he still does it, but when Richard Allenson had a, a show on Radio 2 about 20 years ago, he used to start his uh, late-night show with a feature, the, probably the best song in the world to start a show with, um, and that one's not far off. Uh, tell me about your first choice, uh, Piano Man from Billy Joel. Well, as you said in your intro, um, you know, a large part of my kind of radio career was Swansea Sound um, and that career in Swansea Sound started as a, a listener uh, way back in 1974 when the station launched and for me uh, I'm a ma massive Billy Joel fan anyway um, but all these songs that I've chosen tonight are pretty much synonymous with Swansea Sound and what it stood for and my musical choices at a time when you could choose uh, the music. Um, it's just one of my favourites from Billy Joel. I was lucky enough to see him at um, the NEC, I think it was, in Birmingham some years ago. Uh, and I, I just love him. I'd love to be able to get to America and see him play somewhere like Madison Square Garden. I uh, don't know whether that's going to happen. But that was from his second album of the same name, Piano Man, uh, from 1973. Um, and the words kind of tell the story of his life as a piano bar singer or his fictionalised life as a piano bar singer. Um, you know, it's nine o'clock on a Saturday, regular crowd shuffles in, old man sitting next to me making love to his tonic and gin. Um, and that was um, his breakthrough album, really, after the struggles with his first record company. Uh, I don't know if you the history yeah, of Billy Joel, yeah. but he had some problems um, with his record company. And um, this was his kind of um, the start of things on the road proper with his career and his subsequent albums but it just tells a beautiful story for me he says son can you play me a memory i'm not really sure it goes sad and sweet knew it complete when i wore a younger man's clothes and a lot of songs i, I don't know whether people these days really kind of listen to the words of songs but i'm i'm great i'm a great one for kind of listening to the lyrics and uh listening for the meaning in the yeah. song and that for me you know, I've been a fan of his for, for years, but that really, uh, and, I, and I know, you know, you've got your Uptown Girls and you've got your Teller About It, etc., etc. But for me, um, that one really does it. Uh, and that's why I chose it as my first song. And Beautiful so, words. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm a massive fan. And there's so many uh, little stories within the whole story, isn't there? About all the individuals yeah, absolutely. in the bar. Uh, did you have, absolutely. Did you have music growing up at home? Yes. And... Um, a couple of the tracks later on, um, 
uh, I kind of will will touch on, on music that my mum and dad kind of played when when I, when I was growing up. But yes, is the answer to the question. Um, my dad, like me, was in media, but um, not not radio. He was into in, in in newspapers and journalism, and in fact, spent thirty odd years as a as a photographer on 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 the Western Mail in south wales um but yes um there would always be you know an itt gramophone at home and one of the songs i'll play later on is is from the carpenters but i can always remember you know putting on carpenters albums and abba albums and uh yeah mum and dad were were fans of music as well i think we were all um certainly as far as i'm concerned frustrated musicians and i've tried i've 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 got a guitar here but as you can hear i I can't play it very well um but i i think you know with a lot of radio presenters and a lot of djs um they're kind of frustrated musicians really and there's nothing i would like more than these two guitars that i've got here are my son's guitars but um i'd love to be able to pick one up and just have a you know a a kind of sing song but sadly um i i I chose the easy route playing records for a living (laughs) instead of playing an instrument i used to play the trombone actually in 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 a kind of wind band when i was in duravel school in neath back in the day but that was a long long time ago it would probably make a horrible noise if i picked it up now andrew um we'll talk more uh in a second uh, but let's go straight into your second choice from ace Tell me about how long. How long for me? Um, again, you know, some of the songs I've chosen have got reasons and meanings. Some of them are just because I like them. Um, but and, and some of them are because they are, as I've said, synonymous with Swansea Sound and what Swansea Sound stood for. Ace, I love Paul Carrick. I love Mike and the Mechanics. Um, I loved everything about that. He's, he had a short spell in Squeeze. He's, he plays organ for Eric Clapton. But Ace, How Long, written by Paul Carrick, first song he ever wrote. And the song, really, How Long Has This Been Going On, um, came about because he discovered that the bass player in Ace at the time, Tony, had been kind of moonlighting and playing with other bands. Hence the song, How Long Has This Been Going On? radio bug come about were you listening from an early age yeah absolutely like many of the the guests you've had on these uh on on, on this series uh andrew yeah i you know i can remember back in the day um yeah, a, a little itt cassette recorder with a little pull-out handle in the front um and like many of you if you guess i'd kind of record things off the radio whether yeah. it be the jingles you know the swansea sound jingles it was in the day or or the radio one jingles and i'd kind of use those and I kind of, it wasn't the thing. We didn't have twin decks or anything at home in those days. It was kind of the 1980s before I had my first uh, deck. But yeah, I used to kind of, um, pardon me, I used to um, play at radio studios, really. And I used to use things that I'd kind of recorded on cassette. I have two cassette recorders and I hover my finger over the pause button, talk in between, release the pause button and Mm -hmm. off off goes the next track, which I'd kind of nicked and, and recorded off the radio in the first place. It, it seems to me that if if you weren't doing that, it was either that or it was the tennis racket and air, air guitar. Air guitar, I mean, we can have a go, but um, <laughs> it'll make a horrible noise, I can assure you. And who were you listening to? Who were your, your heroes, your idols on the radio? 
Well, we've. Um, oh, do you mean the the DJs, the presenters? Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I grew up. I mean, if you're talking about Radio One, you're talking about your Noel Edmonds and your Simon Bates and your Gary Davis. If you're talking about locally, you know, you'd be talking about um, people like Stuart Freeman, Steve Dewitt, who I know has been a guest on yeah, this show, yeah. Jules Christian, um, Andy Lee, pe- people like that. You know. Um, they were my real kind of um, heroes, if you like, on on a local level. And I was lucky enough. I said that Dad had worked in um, in newspapers, and then uh, in, in latter days of his career, he left the newspapers and became a freelance photographer. And I I remember him having a he had a job to go and photograph the Swansea Sound DJs, all of them for kind of portraits, you know. And um, that's what really got me into it. It was um, the middle 80s. It was about 1984. I'd l- just left school um, and he took me in with him and I got talking and Griff, somebody called Griff Harris. I don't know if you've heard of Griff, mm. um, but he was a Swansea Sound presenter for many years. Uh, and Dad asked Griff if I could sit in on his show. And um, it went from there, really. Um, he, you know, Griff said, look, you know, um, would you like to drive my midnight medley? And that was the first time I ever got my hands on the original Swansea Sound 1974 uh. broadcast desk. Um, and then Griff, who's um, a, a saxophonist and, and flute player, he, he, he played in an orchestra. And um, I, I'd go down, you know, to have my kind of... Um, 15 minutes or so as it was um, playing the vinyl in the Midnight Medley, which was three songs in a row. But um, Griff got wise to this and said, look, you can drive the Midnight Medley, um, but before you do, could you come in a bit earlier and go upstairs on the photocopier? And he'd have me photocopying, um, uh, you know, music scores for a 50-piece orchestra, uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, almost uh, as my payment um, to him for being allowed to drive the Midnight Medley. But I absolutely loved it. And there were a lot of us like that in those days that we would do it for absolutely nothing. We didn't want to get paid. Just just being there, the, the, the sound, the feel, and I can remember as if it was only yesterday, the smell of the radio stations. You don't get it so much these days because you don't have the reel-to-reel tape machines and, 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 and the machinery, the cart machines we had back in the day. Everything's pretty much you know, PC-driven now. Mm. But I can remember the smell and that's what got me into it. That's what got me the bug. And I thought, well, if I can use this equipment and I can drive the Midnight Medley and I can play the jingles in between and I can get the records queued up and I can play them, surely I can talk in between again, uh, in between the songs as well. And it was about 1987 then, I think it was, before um, I was asked to do a bit more. I actually started not doing presentation of music programmes or being a presenter in any way. Well, I suppose I was a presenter in it, but I started in sport and I worked on Galen Downs's sports programme and I used to do minority sport and they'd send me off to do research on table tennis and hockey and, uh, you know, squash. And I'd have my kind of um, two minutes of fame reading the local results on the Saturday sports show. And, you know, that that's what got me my foot in the door. And, and it kind of went from there, Andrew. And your first experience of DJing, although these days the DJ is someone actually who sells records, they're all broadcasters, but your first experience of DJing was pubs and clubs in Swansea and Paul Talbot. I, I would imagine an interesting experience. Yeah, I, I kind of, now there are, you know, we talk about, we still talk about this today when, you know, there are people, colleagues of mine and past colleagues who've only done radio and broadcasting and they've never done anything else. Um, 
And sometimes if you're used to working um, a live audience, like a pub or a club DJ, and you're used to seeing the reaction um, that people have to the music that you play, it then can sometimes be a little bit weird when you go into a studio and you've got a cloth wall in front of you and you play the songs but you can't see anything happening and that takes some getting used to but a number of us were lucky enough that we kind of cut our teeth on pub and club um, DJ work. I mentioned Badger at this point, who was with us for, for, for many, many years. Um, I can remember working in the Dark Arch in Neath. Badger would be upstairs in the club and I'd be downstairs in the pub. But it stood you in good stead, really, because you'd cut your teeth on the pub and club scene. Um, and, and, and then it was easier doing radio having done that than the other way around. Some of the people I can remember coaching over the years um, who, who've only done the radio side find it very difficult then when you put them in front of a crowd, for example, of 20-odd thousand like we'd have back in the day for Party in the Park in Singleton Park. I wondered, you mentioned earlier one of my broadcasting heroes, uh, you briefly mentioned Simon Bates. I wonder then if that's why he famously never enjoyed doing the road shows because he didn't have that experience of, of the clubbing. Yeah, maybe so. I mean... I think, you know, when you look at people who were masters of their craft, um, Kenny Everett, Steve Wright, um, uh, some people are just, I, don't, I wouldn't, don't want to use the word better, but more at home doing the radio production thing behind the scenes. Um, and, and of course, some of us, probably myself included, have got perfect faces for radio, so they probably <laughs> should never be seen. Uh, Melbourne Moore next, Steve. Melbourne Moore. The story with this one is nothing more than number nine, 1976. It was the first song I ever played on the radio on Swansea Sound. It was the one that set me off, hence the title of the song. This is it. I'm in. I'm on the radio. Steve Barnes' third choice on this edition of Music Was My First Love from the great Melbourne Moore. Now, I mentioned in my introduction that like so many local broadcasters that I've had uh, on Music Was My First Love, you came through the ranks of Swansea Sound. How I, I can tell by what we've spoken about so far that it's a very important part of your life. So how did the station come your way? As I said earlier, um, it started by being in there with my dad. Um, he'd kind of been commissioned to do some photographs of the of the presenters, of the on-air presenters, some portraiture. And um, that led me to kind of get an interest. Griff allowed me to sit in with him on some of the late shows he was doing on Swansea Sound. And, and from there... Um, it was just, I, I, you know, I mentioned the pubs and the clubs. One of the things I used to do was when the pub or the club was closed, I used to go in during the day and actually use their decks to be able to make demo tapes, which I'd send into the then program controller of, of Swansea Sound. And, um, you know, anybody that's kind of been down this road and tried to get in, it, it, you know, nine times out of ten, you don't even get a reply. Mm. Uh, and indeed, I didn't. Um, I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. They needed somebody to cover. As I said, I'd been going in. I'd been doing the Saturday Sports Watch program, either as a technical operator or covering some, reading some results of some kind of minority sports, you know, compared to rugby and football, like squash and hockey or, or whatever, um, table tennis, snooker, that kind of thing. And then I just got a call. They were, they were desperate. So 
it would have been kind of the very late 80s, probably 1989 into 1990, when I got a call um, from the program controller at the time saying, we're absolutely desperate for somebody to cover the overnight show. It was in the middle of the week. It was an overnight show. Um, and I can remember giving up a gig that I had that night in a, in a, in a club or a pub. I can't remember which. Um, and going and working for a lot less money just to get my foot in the door and do this first overnight show on Swansea Sound. And that was the first uh, track that I played, Melbourne Moor, This Is It, from 1976. And, and again, the words are in there, Andrew. Uh, what I was feeling at the time, I can't explain what I'm feeling. I'm lost for words. I'm in a daze. And it was the kind of the euphoria, really, of sending in these tapes, not getting anywhere, knocking on the door, getting knocked back. And then, right place, right time, Carl Burtonshaw, who's a, a friend of mine. He was at Swansea Sound um, through the kind of middle um, to late 80s, 86, 87, 88, 89. Carl was there uh, and Carl had got me in as well. He'd helped me. Um, he'd allowed me to sit in in his shows. And I, I, Carl had been asked to do something else and they just needed someone to cover. And I said, absolutely, not a problem. I'm there. And, and there it was, my first show. And I, and I kicked it off with that track from Melbourne Moor. And from there, where did it lead? Did were you were they back in touch with you soon after? Ooh, yeah. From there, it was kind of well. Thanks very much. That was really good. We'll we'll call you when we need you again. And they did, and they did again. And then, oh, from what I can remember, Andrew, it was kind of, um, can you do a regular uh, Friday night overnight into Saturday morning? And I'm thinking, mm, hang on a minute. This is going to cost me because I was making my livelihood at the time as a, as a pub and club DJ. And I'm thinking Friday night, you know, I, I, I don't think I'm kind of out of place kind of telling you the actual money. But uh, I think I was getting like £12.50 to do um, one in the morning till seven in the morning on Swansea Sound <laughs> um, compared to, to, to getting, you know, probably five or six times that money yeah. doing the pub gig. But it was one of those things I thought, do you know what? Some people don't even get this chance. It's a chance I should take. And I took that chance. And before I knew uh, it, it, you know, Friday night into Saturday morning overnight, it turned into two overnights a week. Then when I was asked if I could cover a late show, I pretty much covered every show. I didn't have a regular show at that time apart from the overnight show. But I pretty much uh, went along on, on Swansea Sound and covered every show. I covered late shows. I covered weekend breakfast shows. I covered overnight shows. I covered for when people were off on holiday. And it just went from there. And then I think before I knew where I was, I got a show on a Saturday, which was called Barnsley's Beat, um, which was um, 10 to 1 on a Saturday, Barnsley's Beat. And then I think from there, I was asked if I would do the afternoon drive time show Monday to Friday. And it just kind of spiraled from there. Um, and before I knew where I was, the early 90s, I was on holiday in Bournemouth. I got a call from Rob Pendry, who was the program controller, but was also the breakfast show presenter on Swansea Sound at the time. And Rob said, look, I've been talking to Mr. Braham, the, who's, who was the managing director, the, the, the local managing director. We were still owned and managed by a local you know, consortium of businessmen. And um, and he said, I've been having a chat with Mr. Braham. Mr. Braham thinks we should have a change at breakfast. And, I, you know, we think that maybe I should do drive time now. And when you come back from holiday, you should do breakfast. And that's what happened. I came back um, and I swapped from afternoons to doing the breakfast show on Swansea Sound. And my word, what a privilege that was to finally be doing the breakfast show on the local station that I'd kind of grown up to listening to. 
And, you know, and, and I did that uh, breakfast show right up until September 1995 when we split frequencies and, and then the wave was born. But the privilege and the, the honour of doing that breakfast show, the very the very last Swansea Sound breakfast show that was on the old 257 metres medium wave or 1170 kilohertz and on 96.4 FM at the same time. Um, it was the very last simulcast Swansea Sound breakfast show. Uh, and, you know, working with people like John Powell, the weatherman that was part of my show and, um, you know, the traffic and travel team. And uh, no, they, they were great times. And um, I just absolutely loved it. And I, I could not believe that I was now making a living um, doing what was a hobby and what was something that I just loved to do. Worth giving up those Friday nights. extra. Absolutely. I mean, I was a bit skint. I'm not going to lie to you. And because, the, you know, contrary to what people believe, that there wasn't a great deal of money uh, in commercial radio. There wasn't huge fees because there were more people wanting to do it than, than there were jobs available, pretty much like today, actually. Um, but, um, yeah, I, 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 you know, I can nobody can take that away from me. I presented the last ever Swansea Sound Breakfast Show uh, up until September 1995. Um, and then we launched the wave and I was lucky enough to become one of the launch presenters. It was myself um, in mid mornings, Badger on the breakfast show. Sorry, it was Sean Tilly on the breakfast show. It was me on mid mornings and Badger on drive time. And then Sean and Badger swapped over. Badger started doing the breakfast show and Sean did the afternoon. But no, to, to do what I'd done on Swansea Sound and to achieve what I'd achieved presenting pretty much all of the shows at some time. Uh, and then to be able to be one of the launch presenters on the brand new hit music radio station for South Wales was absolutely phenomenal. And, and when you talked about, earlier on I asked you about who you were listening to on the radio and the first name you mentioned, uh, who coincidentally was the first voice that I can ever remember hearing on the radio was Noel Edmonds. Mm. When, when, you, when you sat and you did your first breakfast show, you said that you were thinking about all those people you used to listen to on that station. But when you do a breakfast show, do you think back to the likes of, of listening to Noel Edmonds and you're doing yeah, what I he did? I think, I mean, we always tell people, we always kind of coach people to be themselves on the radio. But I think, you know, a lot of people would, you try and emulate your idols in some way um, in, you know, perhaps you're not going to sound like them, but to, in style or some presentation styles or, you know, everybody's got their own little things that they come up with and um, their little sayings and the, or their little jingles or their little beds of music that they use. But yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think I was probably a mix of all those people that I'd listened to, you know. A lot of people will know your next track. I recognise the song uh, track called Longer, but they may mm. not know the singer. So tell us about uh, Dan Fogelberg. Okay, so um, there was a guy called Andrew Jones who Andrew Jones was responsible for starting GTFM. I don't know if you know of GTFM. Pardon me. So Andrew was responsible for getting that underway in, initially, um, but Andrew was a lifelong fan of Swansea Sound. So he kind of modelled what they had at GTFM on Swansea Sound. And and Dan Fogelberg's Longer um, from 1979, I can only really say it's just, again, so synonymous with Swansea Sound and what it stood for. But also, 
you know, he, he's an American singer-songwriter. Uh, this song was released in 1979. But again, the words, longer than there have been fishes in the ocean, higher than any bird ever flew, longer than there have been stars up in the heavens, I've been in love with you. And I think I was in love with radio. And when I hear these songs now... Um, it just kind of takes me back. And Andrew produced a phenomenal uh, documentary on Swansea Sound, on the history of Swansea Sound. And this was one of the tracks that was included. Um, he asked for our blessing. He spoke to a number of us uh, to include us in the documentary on Swansea Sound. Uh, and Longer was just one of those songs um, that was included. It was on Vogelberg's 79 album called Phoenix. Um, but it's just, every time I hear it, I think of Swansea Sound. And that's why I've included it. I am in love with you Your next choice, Steve, is from an ever-popular fixture on this series, The Beach Boys. You a fan of the band as well as the song? Yeah. It's a, it's a funny one, this one, because when you talk about the Beach Boys, it's normally Surfing USA, Help Me Rhonda, um, you know, Surfing Safari, In My Room. Um, but this one is a, a bit of a, a, a kind of more obscure one for me. And this one really is... <sighs> I mentioned Andrew Jones, and when I was a, a you know presenter on Swansea Sound, Andrew used to phone the show and regularly keep in touch with us, and he, he just he just loved local radio and he loved Swansea Sound in particular. But this is another one that you'd often hear on Swansea Sound. Got to number six in '79. It was from their um, LA album, Light album, but again, um, it's not one of the obvious Beach Boy tracks. Um, it's a little bit more obscure, and, but I love it. It's called Lady Linda, and it's one that he used to request from me whenever he called me on the show. You're listening to another edition of Radio Glamorgan's Music Was My First Love with radio executive Steve Barnes choosing 10 of his favourite tracks. Well, it reached number three in 1976, John Miles and Music, song number six in my choice uh, for this evening with, uh, with Andrew here on Radio Glamorgan. And I, I just love it, the whole feel of the song, the production, the orchestral parts when they come in, those French horns and, and the words, to live without my music would be impossible to do. In this world of troubles, my music pulls me through. And I think, Andrew, that says everything about music and radio it, music can it can be you know such a tonic can't it you know it can lift you it can relax you it can you know if you're going through troubled times it can help in lots of ways but that's why i'm so into the words of songs you know music was my first love it'll be my last music of the future music of the past um i'm getting on a bit now so it's mostly music of the past <laughs> at my age but um yeah that is one of my all-time favorites and how strange well not strange really but i was going to say how strange that you should choose it as the sig tune to your mm. program and it just happened i didn't know that when i chose it but that was one of my choices well it's interesting you know i've i've made over 70 of these programs and i hear a little bit of it at the beginning it's been chosen a couple of times but i hear mm. a little bit at the beginning and we play a bit at the end and i was sitting there listening to it thinking my goodness this is a tune and a half 
Mm. It really mm. is. Um, how did you, you've mentioned it briefly? How did the wave come about? Because of course you helped launch it, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, there was a chap called Terry Mann. Um, who's currently the manager at GTFM. You may have heard of and Terry. And has been on this series as well. Um, he's a man of many words, so um, he probably only got about five tracks in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't mean it, Terry. didn't mean it. Um, but no, Terry was um, at Swansea Sound. Um, I don't know if people, um, God rest her soul, she's no longer with us, Doreen Jenkins, who was um, one of the presenters on Swansea Sound, one of the early presenters. Mm. Uh, and, and she was married to Terry, and Terry was one of the producers back in the early days of Swansea Sound, and then he left and he went to other radio stations. But he came back as our managing director, uh, we were bought out by a company called East County's Newspapers and Terry was hired as the MD. And it was Terry, uh, along with help from several other people that came up with the concept um, of the wave. So we had Swansea Sound, which really, and, and I'm not being at all derogatory about the station when I say this, but it was pretty much all things to all people. It had a country music show, it had a folk music show. I mean, I used to be on Radio LF in, in Morriston Hospital years ago, and I bet Radio Glamorgan's the same. It, it has to have something to suit all tastes because yeah. of the nature of the audience that it caters to. But what the area, so that was Swansea Sound, but what the area didn't have was a contemporary hit radio station, a current hit music radio station. Um, there was one in Cardiff, they had Red Dragon in Cardiff um, but they didn't have one in Swansea Swansea Sound occupied you know that 257 or 1170 um, kilohertz medium wave frequency and 96.4 FM and what happened on September the 30th 1995 on the anniversary of, of Swansea Sound we split frequencies and at 12 noon a new radio station was born and what was born was the wave and um the, 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 the launch presenters, or the, the mainline launch presenters, as I said, was Sean Tilly, Badger, and, and myself in mid-mornings. And, yeah, the area just needed it, – it, it was either Swansea Sound, which did a bit of Welsh, did a bit of country, did a bit of classical, did a bit of, you know, folk um, – did kind of something for everybody uh and if you didn't like that you went to radio one and i think the whole idea was to try and offer a local alternative um to radio one and that's what we kind of set out to do by playing current hits and recurrent hits from the last couple of uh, couple of years and when you became program controller um is that job made a lot easier because you've been a broadcaster I think so. Um, in, in some ways, it's made easier because you've been a broadcaster and you've been in lots of situations that the people you are now managing find themselves in. Um, but in some ways, it's harder because you feel everything that they felt. You can genuinely... You know, I had conversation last week where I said to somebody, I know exactly what you mean. I can remember having this, you know, particular issue myself. And um, so in some ways it's harder because you almost know too much. You've you've been on both sides of the fence. Um, and one of the things, um, there's an old radio programmer, well, you'll kill me for saying, oh, he is quite old now, Giles Squire, who when we were owned by the radio partnership, a Newcastle company, uh, Giles was our group program director. And, and Giles said to me, you know, I, I was Swansea Sound's program manager by 1998. Um, and I was program manager of Swansea Sound and remained on air. Uh, in 1998 and Giles, but Giles said to me he said you're going to have to suffer something you're going to have to cope with something now being the program controller and 
uh, still being part of the team that kind of goes to the coalface every day. And he said, what he said to me was, that is burden, the burden of knowledge. And that is the fact that you will know things that are happening, things that are going to happen. You will know about plans for the business, uh, which people, you know, like yourself who at, at kind of presenter level wouldn't ordinarily know about. And um, I guess it is hard, Andrew, from that perspective, because... Um, you know, I, I can put myself in lots of scenarios as a young broadcaster that people that I've kind of brought on or brought into the business. I mean, your your chairman, your your chairman of Radio Glamorgan, Jamie Jamie Pritchard. Mm -hmm. I gave Jamie his first professional gig in in radio, and I truly believed in him, and I truly believed that he could do a good job for us. And it it was kind of one of my last appointments before things changed very very much and i can remember going to meet him for a coffee and saying yeah we'll, we'll give it a go and by damn he, he gave it a good go and he gave us great listening figures he doesn't do the afternoon show on the wave anymore but you know the pleasure of bringing people on giving people chances as people had given me chances mm. years ago was a very pleasurable thing to do being able to give something back there was a time uh when commercial radio went through um a period of, of changing hands a lot you, you've had uh, for yourself, uh, Calvin McKenzie, to Murdoch, to now Bauer. D does that cause great unsettlement? Because obviously when new owners take over, then, then the way of doing things changes. It is difficult. Um, it is difficult to steady the ship, to keep the crew on side. Um, it, it is. I mean, you mentioned Calvin McKenzie. I can remember Calvin McKenzie. Oh, that, that was Wireless Group Part 1 before we had Wireless Group part two under under, under Murdoch. Um, but I can remember specifically Kelvin McKenzie. I mean, he was such a character, such a character, you know, and um, I can remember his um, his secretary uh, or his PA. I can't remember her name, but I remember him saying, where's my sandwich? And she's saying, oh, it's, it's right here, Kelvin. And she'd be following him around with his sandwich. And I can remember he was on a, on a he was due to come and visit Swansea for the first time. And he, he phoned her and he was a very, um, I mean, I can only be factual. In my opinion, he was a very kind of... Um, aggressive and forthright kind of man and he, he said what he saw and he said what he thought and and we i can remember us getting this this phone call saying well i'm on my way to swansea but um oh, i can see these signs for abattoir abattoir <laughs> where the heck is abattoir i'm looking for swansea and we'd say kelvin it's uh it's abertower and um it's welsh for swansea well why didn't they put it in english as well you know <laughs> but that, that, that was kelvin editor. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But um, yeah, Kelvin, a very colourful uh, character, to say the least. You've chosen some great names on your list, and we've still got more to come. Uh, but let's move on to your seventh choice, uh, Pink Floyd and Another Brick of the Wall. Tell me about that one. Just a personal choice. I mean, one th you know, you talk about um, how long I've been with Swansea Sound, and um, I, I kind of went in there for the first time in the middle 80s, and, um, you know, Swansea Sound's no longer as you know, as we all know, but it's a fair old time. It's about 35 years that I've been involved in some way, shape or form, including the time that I spent working on the, the sports show. And you come across so much music. It's so diverse. So when somebody says, you know, pick 10 songs, I was like, heck, how am I going to, how am I going to pick 10 songs? I, I can't even choose what kind of playlist to have on in, in the car. If I'm, you know, on, on the few occasions that I'm not listening to the radio and I think, right, 
I need to have a, a break now and just listen to music. Um, but Pink Floyd is just, um, I mean, my son kind of plays guitar. I know lots of people who kind of play in bands who are musicians. And uh, I know lots of people playing in cover bands. But um, Pink Floyd, Another Brick in the Wall, is one that I can remember hearing on the radio. It was number one for them in 1979, December 79. And, um, you know, I, I, it, that part uh, uh, during the song, I don't know if you know if you know it the, the talking part where the guy if you don't eat your meat yeah, you can't yeah. have any pudding how can you have pudding if you don't eat your meat uh, and it's just the the whole they were fantastic i mean I, I was lucky enough to see pink floyd in that um part of the pulse tour i saw them at earl's court i think it must have been about 1994 adrian tradinick who was the local record rep for emi gave us some vip tickets to go and see them and i ended up with cliff richard on one side of me and take that on the other and we were all watching pink floyd it was surreal um but yeah it's just a song that i, I love floyd um it's probably well not probably it is their biggest kind of commercial hit isn't it uh, but it's one that i can remember playing on the radio and i just had to include some pink floyd Let's do some quickies. Uh, what were three of the items on your CV? Valley's Radio, The Wolf, Signal 107, and Signal Radio, Stoke-on-Trent. So, as part of my senior um, programme controller role, which uh, I was made in 2005, I was made a senior programme controller by uh, somebody called John Dash, uh, who was our group programme director at the time. And part of that role was to kind of oversee some stations that were outside my area. So as well as looking after what was or what is the wave and what was Swansea Sound then, I always ha also had some responsibility for looking after what was the Wolf, which was then then became Signal 107 in Wolverhampton. And also during a time when they didn't have a programme controller at Signal 1 and Signal 2 in Stoke-on-Trent, I spent some time there and I used to have to travel on alternate Wednesdays, one Wednesday to Signal 1 and 2 to help out their, their, their team of presenters there because they didn't have a programme controller. And then the opposite Wednesday, I'd go and see um, the programme manager and the team at uh, what was the Wolf and what then became Signal 107 in Wolverhampton. So that's what that was all about. It was part of my kind of wider role. Valley's Radio, of course. Um, Valley's Radio was, um, you know, born in, um, I can't remember whether it was 96 or 99. I think it was 1996. Um, and, you know, that was for uh, the South Wales Valleys. Uh, but I had a responsibility as well as a senior uh, programme controller for, for Wales at that time to just oversee what was going on there. Um, you know, ably controlled by a guy called Tony Peters. And we had Mark Powell at the time doing the breakfast show we had steve powell we had um with karen uh doing the mid-morning show there not a really good radio station sadly uh in 2009 that radio station closed because there just wasn't um the kind of finances to support that radio station as a standalone station it was ba based in festival park in Embervale, um and we tried we, we tried in vain we thought well um, if, if we could move this radio station in with us in the Swansea Sound and the Wave Building, it's only a short distance for, for Karen, Karen Powell, to come down the 465 to do the show here. And I'd spoken to Mark, I'd spoken to Karen, I'd spoken to all the guys there and said, look, you know, 
if you're coming in from Newport or whatever, uh, it, just come down the 465 and you can do the show in Swansea. Anyway, they all agreed. We went to Ofcom and it was at the time before Ofcom had kind of gone through the whole deregulation thing where they were allowing uh, where they were allowing people to do their their shows or host their shows from anywhere but we proposed that um that valley's radio would would relocate to swansea and we would be able to by putting it under the same roof as the wave in swansea sound we'd be able to in a nutshell save it sadly ofcom said that they wouldn't be able to allow that six months later they had started station allowing stations to do that, but sadly that was the end of Valley's radio, and and um, it had to close. Unfortunately, you were just a little bit ahead of your time with that decision. Yeah, six yeah. months later, and it probably we probably would have got the green light for it to co-locate with us in Swansea, and that would have you know made financial sense for it to be able to kind of wash its face, as it were, financially. Uh, similar to Terry Underhill, uh, for those who don't know, presents Breakfast on uh, Greater Sits Radio South Wales. Uh, mm-hmm. You've worked on both sides of the microphone, and we've talked about the two roles. Uh, $24,000 question. If you could do only the one, uh, work as program controller or host a daily show on the Wave or GHR, which is your first love? I'd be on the air. Um, without shadow of a doubt and you know what uh, Andrew initially I tried to do both so I was as I said to you earlier made program controller of Swansea Sound in 1998 then I also became controller I had an interest in it from uh, in in the wave as well from 2000 but a guy called Andy Griffiths who was kind of running the wave side of things left in 2004 and I was handed both stations to look after and I tried for a while um I said to some of the guys that I said I've got to keep my hand in the reason I got on got got into this was to kind of be on the air and do shows and play music and entertain and have fun and talk to the listeners that's why I didn't get into this to sit behind a desk and do schedules and fill in PRS returns and try and you know all the other kind of I mean there there are other sides to it like coaching people and bringing new people through and giving people chances that's a good side of it uh, but no in answer to your question 100 percent. if i had to go back um uh, and kind of make a decision i i would without shadow of a doubt be still on the air because i tried i tried for six years i continued to do the swansea sound breakfast show on a Saturday morning for six years. One, um, because I couldn't make the budget work, because as programme controller, you're responsible for the budgets mm. as well. I couldn't make the budgets work. I couldn't have enough money left in the pot to bring somebody in to do Swansea Sounds Breakfast Show on a Saturday morning. So I thought, well, what the heck? There's no money. Um, I'll just go and do it for the love of it. And there I was for six years doing it for the love of it. Mm. But it was just too much. Y- yeah. You just can't do both, you know? I guess it's a bit like uh, you don't see so many of them now at top level, but I, I guess the, the sporting analogy is being player manager at a football team. Absolutely. And, and do you know what? It has its advantages, but it has its disadvantages. Mm. Because you've got to have... Um, an eye on the kind of discipline side of things you get a lot of people kind of critiquing you and saying well we heard you do it and uh, and that side of thing but but also you know the compliance side of it which is really important the Ofcom broadcast code and the compliance side of it um so you've got to have an eye on that but I tried to well I tried for six years uh, and I pulled it off but I was just shattered and um it it didn't leave much of a family life after I'd kind of been there for six days of the week either tell me about your eighth choice from the stories okay so 
You may or may not have heard of this band, but they're a Swansea band. They formed in 2003. Um, they were kind of led by Steve Balsamo, who was the Swansea singer-songwriter. Steve Balsamo um, played Jesus in Jesus Christ Superstar in the West End. Andy Collins, a bass player. Rob Thompson, guitarist. Brian Thomas, the drummer. Alan Thomas, guitarist and keyboard player. Di Smith, um, who went on to leave the band in 2008. But they were all Swansea boys. And they came up with this debut album. I mean, they went on to support Elton John. Elton John absolutely loved their first album. Uh, and one of the things that I'd always tried to do as a programmer, for as long as we were allowed to do it, and for as long as the business was run like that, I liked to listen to local artists, local recordings of local artists who'd gone into local studios and made albums. And, and you know, Carl uh, Morgan of Who's Molly, who's, um, you know, a fantastic singer-songwriter, Mal Pope, came up with some brilliant stuff the stories if the songs were good enough and the quality was good enough i used to enjoy playlisting them on swansea sound anyway times changed and we couldn't do that anymore but the stories are a swansea band formed in in 2003 um it was kind of all over by late 2010 but they had uh three great albums they supported elton john celine dion tom jones um they were like a west coast band they had that kind of harmonies of of the eagles i guess you could say they were swansea's version of the eagles and this was a track from their first album it's called i believe in love from 2006 and i just i just love it a bit he held her close as the tears ran dry as she looked down Radio uh, is so much more accessible now due to the internet. Uh, you have community radio and hospital radios available online rather than just at the bedside. So I wanted to ask you about the general direction that local radio is moving into, especially uh, with the current involvement of Bauer. Um, stations such as Greatest Hits and The Wave, they have their Welsh broadcasters, and then there's some syndication shows that go out throughout the day. Um, mm -hmm. Is the future of local radio local broadcasters in danger of extinction i hope not um you know you asked me to comment from a bauer perspective that's a difficult one for me sure. um because not because i'm afraid of saying what i think but i don't know what their longer term strategies are however what i do know by building that bigger network of radio stations or network of stations as one brand, say Greatest Hits Radio or um, Hits Radio, is to be able to target larger advertisers and make their advertising campaigns work harder for them because they're selling across a whole network of stations. Um, in answer to your question, do I think it's the end of commercial radio? Do I think it's the kind of there's no future? No, I don't think so. I think things are changing. And I think things have been changing for quite some time. If you remember, I don't know if you do, remember you may remember back in 2015 they were talking about turning off fm back yes. in 2015 and then all of a sudden that was scrapped oh we better not do that it might be a bit soon um you know um but 
no, I, I, I don't. I think things are changing. And you've got the advertisement of local digital multiplexes. You've got more and more community stations coming on board. Uh, I think things are changing. And one thing, and, and there's two sides of me. Uh, and I often get, I, I don't go on the forums because I often get myself tied up in what can seem like an argument. It's not an argument. It's just an understanding. So I'm as passionate uh, about Swansea Sound and I have loved Swansea Sound as much as any other colleague that's worked in that business. I'm absolutely passionate. I love what we did. I love what we achieved and I love the fun that we've had. But with my Bauer hat on for a second, there are only two things. that it, Remember, it's a business. It's something that we're passionate about and we enjoy doing. But at the end of the day, it is a business. Mm. And in our business, in, in many businesses, there's two things. They either be, they want to be top of their game in whatever kind of business it is, and they want to make the most money. Um, in terms of Bauer, we've got two things that we strive to, to achieve. As many listeners as we can get and as much money as we can get. And let's make no bones about that it's a business and it's there to make money and but but you know bauer are, are quite kind of clear on that they they want to attract listeners and they want to build networks to be able to have the degree of listening that will kind of stand them in good stead as far as the advertisers and the companies they represent and the national companies they represent but but those are those are the two things that we're aiming for they're aiming to be as financially viable as they can be and get as many people listening for as long as they can get them to listen your penultimate choice is from another big name steve uh tell us about the eagles well, yeah, I, it's funny. We we played the stories, and I mentioned the kind of Swansea or Wales's version of the Eagles. Um, and um, it's it's love will keep us alive. I'm I'm a big fan of um, Paul Carrick, and we 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 played some Paul Carrick with the, with his Ace outfit earlier. But um, Paul Carrick wrote this one um, together with Jim Capaldi. Uh, Paul Carrick, Jim Capaldi wrote this uh, for the Eagles. Um, Produced by the Eagles. Uh, it was performed by the Eagles in 94 during their Hell Freezes Over reunion tour with lead vocals by the bassist uh, of the Eagles, Timothy B. Schmidt. Um, it's the last single to feature Don Felder, who kind of left the band after 2001. Uh, and Paul Carrick still performs this. He wrote the song. Uh, the Eagles kind of had it on their album, but Paul still performs this song live. I saw him in Cardiff, actually, a few months back, but he, he still covers this as part of his set, and it's on his Blue Views album as well. It's just one of my favourites, uh, and, and I believe it's another song that you can really listen to the words uh, to as well. So written by Paul Carrick, performed by the Eagles, Love Will Keep Us Alive. something new every day i've got the blue moves album and i never realized that was recorded by the eagles there you go paul carrick and uh, jim capaldi song for, for the eagles and i don't know about you i love the timothy b schmidt the bassist vocal yeah, on, on that yeah, one as well it's beautiful um one thing that comes across uh from yourself from uh, terry mann and one or two others that i've had on the show uh, for local radio is the love and the passion for what was swansea sound Absolutely. Um, it was a privilege to be part of her. It was even more of a privilege to be involved in the management of her. But you know, things have to change. And I, I touched on this earlier. 
um, you know, I get criticised for allowing it to happen. Listen, it's not my radio station. If it was a train set, it's, you know, in, in, in right now, Bauer's train set, and we're allowed to just play with it. Um, but we're only allowed to go in the direction that they allow us to go. To, to, do you know what I mean? To put it plain and simply. Um, Swansea Sound was incredible. What Swansea Sound achieved, the first bilingual radio station in Wales, I think I'm right in saying uh, launched in 74, by the spring of 75, had something like a 65% reach uh, in audience. Phenomenal. However, it wasn't, sus- it wasn't sustainable. The, the way that it was and things have to change and one of the things that I learned in radio as a programmer is you cannot be all things to all people all of the time you can if you're BBC Radio Wales for example because you've got the license payers money supporting you so you're not so reliant on audience um you know, and if, if you look at radio listening figures today, the wave, you know, outperforms Radio 1 in terms of reach, outperforms Radio Wales. Um, you've got to give people what they want. And pe- people will argue, radio purists and people who set up Swansea Sound years ago and people who worked there years ago will all say, yeah, but, you know, that's what we want. You've got to go for the majority. Mm. It's a business. You have to choose your target, choose what you're going to go and get, and you have to go and get it. It's no good doing a bit of country one minute a bit of folk the next minute a bit of classical i mean it was it it seems now quite ridiculous to go from a classical piece to led zeppelin um but that's the kind of thing that we were doing we had all of these programs which were trying to be all things to all people and the other thing to remember andrew is that swansea sound launched in 1974 and a lot of its loyal audience and we loved them and we still love them and a lot of them have come across um they're very elderly now compared to what they were in september 1974 and we needed to bring on new audience um and so we had to do something that was going to appeal to the masses and you know looking at the way that greatest hits radio is going particularly in the east of the region because on dab we're now on 15 transmitters to the east of bridgend we're on five uh, dab transmitters to the west of bridgend so in the west we're still trying to conquer what was the swansea sound audience very very similar music um to be honest during during the main day parts breakfast mid-morning um you know and afternoons one to four very very similar music um but it's not called Swansea Sound anymore. And one of the reasons that they didn't want it to be called Swansea Sound anymore, because it's not just for Swansea. Yeah. We're on 15 transmitters in the east, and those transmitters see us, you know, into the South Wales Valleys, in Cardiff, Newport, uh, across to Bristol, uh, Torvine, Caerphilly, Cumbran, all of these areas. Well, it wouldn't seem right to have something called Swansea Sound serving those areas. So it had to be Greatest Hits Radio dash south wales and that that's why they've done it and the audience figures that we're not publishing yet but the audience figures that we can see in that east region is growing phenomenally fast and um it looks like it's being well received in that area but that's that's all i can say i'll never forget what swansea sound gave me i'll never forget being part of it and the honor that I feel for being part of it and in you know later in my career being able to to run it we were very very successful um but all good things have to come to an end and at the end of the day as as I have touched on 
It is a business and it needs listeners and it needs money. It receives nothing like the BBC or S4C receive in terms of licensed payers' money, not a single penny. We're completely self-supporting and, and, and that, in a nutshell, is why things had to change. Uh, all good things come to an end. Your final choice, uh, Steve, on this edition of Music Was My First Love, is from The Carpenters. What a singer she was. Absolutely. How sad. How sad. Uh, you know, she was, I can't remember her age, but she was in her 20s, wasn't she? Really? Yeah. Late 20s. Um, we talked earlier about music. You asked me if I, my mum and dad played records and I can remember them playing ABBA albums and I can remember them playing Carpenter's album. I've, I've chosen this one, Goodbye to Love, written by Richard Carpenter and John Bettis. It was released as a single by A&M in, in 1972. Got to number seven on the Billboard Hot 100. Uh, and, and I've chosen this one because... Who'd have thought that a Carpenter's record could have that incredible fuzz guitar solo mm. by a guy called Tony Peluso uh, right in the middle of it? Um, so uh, that's why I've chosen it. Um, it was a double A side, actually, Andrew, to I Won't Last a Day Without You. Um, but no, goodbye to love. I, I, I love this one. But it was the first, I mean, yeah, obviously on rock songs, but on, on something like a Carpenter's record, it was a kind of the guitar solo that stuck in my mind. And I loved it. And yes, I did pick up a tennis racket and try mm. and play it guitar uh yeah i i didn't know his name for years but i did a bit of research for your show and his name is tony peluso he's the the guitarist with that big big guitar solo in the middle so goodbye to love is the final one for my choice tonight away from radio you're a dad to 18 year old guitar playing jack um, mm. And you have a great love of camping, I understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, um, I mean, Jack uh, has kind of grown up with um, camping and caravanning and stuff, and he was uh, on the committee of the, the West Wales um, Caravan Club for, 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 for many years. He's a bit older now, and he's got a car um, and a girlfriend, so I don't see a great deal no. of him now. In fact, here I am in his bedroom in my house. The guitars are here, uh, but Jack isn't. Um, but, th- you know, that's what happens to 18-year-old boys when they get cars and girlfriends. But, um <laughs> Yeah, um, it, it, we used to enjoy. I still do in, enjoy, and in fact, we'll be in Brecon next week for the uh, for the Welsh National um, Caravan Rally, which is uh, taking taking part. And I used to be the entertainments kind of manager for for the caravan club right. as well when I was not doing my radio bit. So yes, we are very much into the outdoor life and away most weekends in the caravan. But don't burgle my house. <laughs> well, you've got dogs. Would you take them with you? No, the dogs are in, <laughs> roaming free in the back garden. So uh, yeah. Two final questions. I think you've possibly answered the first one, but it's a question that I ask all my guests. Apart from uh, giving uh, Radio Glamorgan's Jamie Pritchard his first break in commercial radio, as you look back over the last 30 years or so, what's your biggest highlight or proudest moment? It's a difficult one. Um, Jamie Pritchard's um, first commercial gig as a presenter, I might add. He was previously my traffic and travel reporter, yeah. but his first kind of on-air presenting the program uh, kind of break was what we gave him on the on the waves afternoon show proudest moment oh there have been so many and you know what um it's been a real privilege to be involved over over so many years you know 35 years uh, and radio has given me personally so much whether that's going abroad to different countries whether that's you know on exchange trips with american radio stations and spending time over there um i think that the highlight has to be something that i've touched on already you know some people would say interviewing tony blair or i can remember having you know the police sniffer dogs and armed police around because we had the reverend ian paisley doing something from the studio that there were all of those moments with the, with the big guests and stuff but for me the highlight has been the privilege 
that Swansea San has given me in it, in it being part of my life. If if that doesn't sound corny, um, it doesn't, it, it, no. it, it it's it's. It, somebody said that being involved in radio, whether that's in programming, you know, program controller, presenter, they say it's not a job, it's a way of life. And it has been a way of life, you know, from getting up at 4.30 in the morning to do the breakfast show to getting called in in the middle of the of the, of the night because occasionally computers do go wrong. Um, but no, that, that's been my highlight, to be involved in, in Swansea Sound, to launch the wave in 1995. And I suppose the ultimate... Uh, highlight has been 35 years on that I'm still in some way still involved and what's the immediate future for Steve Barnes um I'll carry on until they get rid of me no um (laughs) (laughs) that that is true actually but no I think you know look I touched on it again earlier on it's like playing with the train set we're allowed to play with it but it's not ours um radio's changed very much the days of me going into the record library picking you know 12 tracks for each hour of my show or or 10 tracks if they're longer um they've gone sadly because the big companies they they program computers they do audience research they do music research so you get told what to play but i haven't forgotten the days when i could go in just like you've allowed me to do this evening and and choose 10 tracks to play on the radio they were great days you've got to go with the times or you haven't got to go with the times and if you don't want to go with it then you don't have to and you get and you get out um for me it's still a privilege to be involved involved every day to have some say to, to help it the younger people bring bring them through and give them the benefit of your experience and stuff that you've kind of learned along the way yeah that, that that's my highlight the, the pleasure of being involved in radio for so long and helping a few people along the way as well Steve, I really enjoyed the last 90 minutes. One of the best editions of this series ever. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. No, thank you. And I've, I've just um, just uh, done a Facebook post of me sat here in front of a mic with a pair of headphones I on. I heard saying, the camera going. It, it's, been a, it's, been a, it's been the first time in a while, and already people are saying, when are you on? Are you on? Are you back on air? Um, but no, um, you know, uh, it's a real pleasure to be able to dig out the headphones and plug them in tonight. So thank you for giving me that opportunity, Andrew. Cheers, listening to Music Was My First Love on Radio Glamorgan, where radio executive Steve Barnes has been choosing ten of his favourite songs. I'm Andrew Wolfe, and join me again soon when someone else chooses ten of their favourite tracks on another edition of Music Was My First Love. Music of the future